Welcome to In Light of the Gospel, Episode 3. Today I have a discussion with Carlos Peters, who is a brother-in-law of mine. We discuss many things from his work to his salvation story, how he came to know Jesus, three terrible tragedies that struck very close to him that transformed his perspective on life. We discuss how him and his wife Linda, my sister-in-law, got together and um, some of the things surrounding that, which I think you'll find very interesting. And uh, also his passion to help deliver young men from addiction to pornography and whatnot. So I think you'll really appreciate this conversation. Hopefully you'll get something out of it and uh, let me know what you think. Well, welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. Today I have someone, the one, the only, Carlos Peters. Many of you, I'm sure, will be familiar with him already. He's got a reputation around Elmer. Everybody that's been to Goodwills knows Carlos Peters. I've known him for now, how many years, since Linda and you got married? Ten years. Ten I'm years mar- ago. Married for nine. Okay, that I met him. He was just a young schnodinese. He came and actually, no lie about it, he actually took me out for a coffee and asked me, if he would be an appropriate fit for my sister-in-law. So Carlos is my brother-in-law. He's a was a salesperson for many years at Goodwills, and now is in the purchasing department. But um, you know, when I first met him, he did actually seem to me like a little bit of a schnodernes. But there was nothing wrong with him. He was on fire. He was passionate. He was zealous. Very ambitious. A little naive with what you thought about marriage and how you were going to go into it. But now, if I look on my phone and I you know I check my WhatsApp and stuff. If he's not the top person on my conversation list, you're definitely in the top two or three. And it's not hmm. and it's not just you contacting me. I like to contact you. And we have conversations about everything, whether it's uh, real estate. He's always sending me deals that are on the market or whatever, or things that are way out of my range. That I get mixed reviews on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's uh, marriage or if it's child training or even sometimes theology. We'll have little discussions on things like that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I've been really blessed by him, and I'm sure uh, you guys will enjoy his story. So maybe if Mm -hmm. you don't mind, just start kind of with your upbringing, your childhood a little bit, and uh, into your teen years and how you came to know Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've a typical Mennonite family, just like uh, everybody else in the area, right? Uh, We moved from Mexico when we were four and uh, moved into a tiny little two-bedroom, one-bedroom apartment with my aunt and uncle. So it was really crammed, really small. Uh, the most exciting thing in life at that time was a car wash. We lived right across the street from Esso, and we all crammed in that little nine-passenger uh, car. Sounds familiar. The car, the, the back seat was reversed. Oh, yeah, the station wagon. The station wagon, sat or whatever it was. Did it have the wood panel? No, no, but it was stick. <laughs> it was stick, and we all knew who it was driving, right? Yeah. But uh, um, the car wash across the street from Esso, that was the most exciting, exciting part. Um, so we lived there for a couple of years and uh, moved into the Melanie Drive, Iraq apartments for the low rental for a while. And uh, dad got a, a better paying job and we moved to Richmond and uh, that's where we've been ever since. Um, moved you more or less grew up in Richmond. Yeah. And we moved there in 98. So I was eight. Okay. So yeah, all I remember, well, I remember a lot more than earlier, right? But uh, is, uh, is Richmond. Um, went to... Uh, Stratfordville School, or before Stratfordville, went to Old Colony School, and from grade um, grade one to grade uh, um, grade six, seven, and then seven and eight in um, Stratfordville, and then East Elgin from there, and then after that we went to I went to Fanshawe for a year, I took a business course out there, 
Um, yeah, it was uh, interesting moving to Richmond from the old house to the new house. Um, I was 18, 18 at the time. And as we were moving, life was changing. I was graduating high school. I debated on moving out. I was doing a lot of uh, partying, a lot of eventful lifestyle choices that, um, I guess, in one way, uh, made me the person that I am today. Um, it's interesting looking back on some of the, the life's decisions and uh, um, how it made me the person that I, that I am today. But in all that, um, I'm grateful for my past. My parents were always tried to be uh, um, educating in the Word and, and in the Gospel and, and such, right from wrong and, and simple truths like that. Um, never got into salvation, never got into um, how to grasp what Jesus really did for you. Um, what, the plan of salvation, Rhineland Church, Ryan, yeah. Very yeah, very similar. Very similar. My parents were very involved between Fushtao, they called it back then, um, Sunday school teacher, um, Wednesday school teacher. Uh, Mom and dad were very involved. So it's it's interesting seeing them in the church and, and how involved they were, but never really explaining right. what God did for you and how Jesus died on the cross. I don't so know it's, they would probably properly have understood it themselves, right? My but, parents tried explaining certain things about who God was, but... As far as the basics of the gospel, this is what you need to trust in. This is what what the plan is, right? There was none of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. They know it now. They understand it. They're aware of it. Um, you know, the, the the closest interaction we ever had with my parents and God was a thunderstorm, right? That's when they would talk about God. Be quiet. There's thunder. There's lightning. God's talking, or what? I don't know exactly you have to what. Hold your hands like this, or anything. Yeah, we had. We never did, but I remember we, going to my was, cousin's place, uh, and there was a lightning storm, and they were all like this. I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And I was. We just were told to stay away from the windows because we were, didn't want to. Stay away from the windows. Go to your rooms. Be quiet. Don't don't make a ruckus. Just just sit and 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 pray. Fear of God. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a good time. To, did it take? Were you no, actually afraid not. of God? No. no. No, there was no fear. I mean, well, it was Lisa, entertaining. I loved the thunder. It was loud and it was exciting. Lisa, my wife, we married sisters, obviously. My wife was actually a Sunday school teacher of his for a while, and she says she quit because of she me. Quit teaching. I had I had a few teachers like that. I had a few teachers like that. Yeah, we had a very, we were interesting. We were rebellious. It was it was the only way to get attention. It was the only way to be cool. Uh, going to Stratfordville School, the only the only way that I could be cool with the English kids is to rebel. And the first time I got sent to the principal's office, you know, the the I, I took a, a note and I wrote something nasty on it, and I stuck it on the teacher's back, and he sends me to the principal's office. So where's that? Like, what do you want me to do? He goes, just get it. He was yelling, like he was furious. He goes, get out. So I just went in the hallway and then hung around, hmm. and then finally the principal came and got me, right? But uh, in order to be cool to get attention, I had to rebel. Yeah. Right. Um, in high school, there was a few teachers that. Uh, Right off the get-go, like, and and I respect them, and I um, never did thank them, but uh, I should. Um, they pulled me aside, and they said, Carlos, you're going to have to make a decision in life. Either you're going to be that rebellious, arrogant kid that's going to go right down the wrong path, or you're, you you have potential. You can wow. go places. So it was, uh, um, there's two teachers, Mr. Voros and Mr. Copeland, nice. that uh, um, expressed that concern, and it turns out Mr. Voros blo- lives two blocks down the road now. And that that warning kind of helped something? Too straight. There was a point in time where, where I had it all arranged. 
with a good friend of mine. Um, we bought a joint, and we were going to go smoke it after school. I was going to go to his house. Mom and Dad were all good. Um, we were going to go and, and get into drugs. And uh, for whatever reason, my parents refused to drop me off that day. So that friend of mine um, smoked that joint by himself. And here we are, 20 years later, mm-hmm. 15 years later, um, he is in that rut. He He's is still, still the there, drug. and I never tried him. Wow. I, I, Grace of God. Oh, right? my. Before you like, even understood it. Eh? Before I even knew, before I even had a relationship with God, he was working. That's amazing. Right? It was, it was exciting to me. I mean, I, I don't like to think about this individual or, or, you know, it's challenging to recognize that I could have been me. Well, I've considered this so many times. Like, I've, I've had many complaints about my upbringing, my childhood, or maybe the understanding of the gospel, the, the deadness of the old colony religion. It was all, uh, it bothers me when I think back on it. And at the same time, I, I have to give credit to my parents and to the church and to the society that we were raised in that kept me from a lot of evil that I would have done. Had I been given free reign and there were no consequences, I know the paths I would have gone down would have been a lot more severe. So you, you can't help but just say, well, thank you, God, for mm-hmm. the influences and the family and the people in my life that kept me mm-hmm. from who I could have been. Yeah, even as reserved as mom and dad were, right? They didn't like talking about, about sex or about... Um, addictions and things like that. That just wasn't something that you talked about. Um, yet, when I was a teenager, I'd go out and, and party and, and misbehave and do whatever. Um, Mom did did say, and she'd you know, go out the door and she'd pat me on the back and say, keep it in the pants. Really? And I was like, that's awkward, Ma, thanks. <laughs> like, that just isn't something you hear from a super dicha woman. Yeah. Right? But I knew what she meant, and yeah. It was enough said. It was enough said. I, I got it. Interesting. Right? But... Um, so 18, you graduated high school, mm-hmm. you did a little bit of Fanshawe college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, between between high school and Fanshawe, I just started Fanshawe in September, beginning of September, school started, and then uh, September 11th, uh, a good friend of mine actually passed away in the in a car accident in the States, James James Unger. September 11th, not 2001. No, no 2009. Right. 2009. And uh, woke up woke up in the morning and and. We got phone calls and whatnot, and on my way to school, we stopped, and uh, all their friends and whatnot. I went to Clannan Monday Church on, on Sparta Line yeah. in 73, and uh, this whole group, I pulled in the driveway, and the whole group, and everybody's just praying together, and this and that. And I didn't know Jesus at the time. I was like, okay, I'll join in, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll participate, right? And, and that stirred me, and I was like, and they weren't mourning out of sadness that they lost someone. Uh, and this just blew me away that they were thanking Jesus for taking him home. And that just, like, it went over my head. I was like, take it easy. Like, what's going on here? And I used to go to there. My brother Ben invited me to uh, um, Zingston back then, Saturday night Bible study. And this James guy, he would bug me. He bugged me. Before we left, every time, Carlos, do you want to get saved? Do you want to get saved? I said, no. Do you want to? Do you want? And he bugged me all the really? time. I said, no, leave me alone. Right? I'm I, Part of my goal was, it was selfish, uh, um, was I am going to live, I'm gonna, I want to get saved, I want to live for Christ, but I want to live a really, really bad life hmm. so I can have a really good testimony later to share with people to get saved. That's not uncommon. It was in my mind, and I was like, hey, this, this is weird, but this is what I want to do, right? So eventually I told him, I said, yeah, I did. And he backed off. Hmm. Didn't. Right. Had no interest in it. I wanted him off my back. But it stuck with me for years. You know, to this day, it's, it's it's a very live memory of him, right? Being years later, um, but shortly after that, um, I was 
in my in the basement of our house. We just moved in. We just moved to a different place in Richmond, and uh, we were just finishing out the basement. So there's two by fours and and studded walls, and I'm I'm laying in bed, and temptations are in my head, and I'm I'm just uh, I, I I didn't know what to do. I was just at wit's end, and and I knew that I couldn't move on on my own anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked up and I literally felt like I was in prison. There was two by four walls. I was studded wow. and I woke up and I was what like, I, I, like it was just, it was, it was so real. And, and I poured my heart out to God and I, I said, I, I can't, I, I, you know, I broke, I can't do you this. Think the first time ever really, really praying. Yeah. Understanding. Now the whole Sunday Monday church, they were a huge influence on my, on my, on my Christian walk. The youth back then, the youth leaders, um, it was boys, yeah the Harder Boys Jake Harder Peter Harder um, and they they you know those were the type of people that would call you up or just show up at your house and say we're going for coffee mm. as a youth boy if an adult male comes and, and hey I'm taking you for coffee you felt you felt like royalty yeah. you felt really good so away you went right and they had a huge influence on my life nice. right but um, yeah and obviously since you know, after I, that, in, in the basement, if I can go back to mm-hmm. that, when you did, was there some liberation? Was there some freedom at that point, or did it just you started crying out to God? There was the, the burden and guilt of my sinful life that I was carrying around, and uh, um, the the um, there, there were porn addictions and there were other other addictions that I had. Um, there wasn't instant freedom by any means, but the. Um, freedom of sin, the guilt of sin that I would live with day in and day out. Um, that's back when when phones were just getting popular, and we had the 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 razor, right? T nine texting, but but you would be texting girls all hours and and whatnot, right? And it was just it was ridiculous. Looking back, like what was I thinking? But it seems minor compared to what young guys are dealing with now. I know, I know. You know, to have this and and the the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, um, it was very freeing. Like I felt so free, and and the conviction of sin, and uh, the forgiveness, and the um, understanding of forgiveness. Did you was did you know enough about the cross at that time, where the cross became very big in your mind? Something that Christ had done, or was that kind of a? I think that came later on. I, I understood the cross, and I understood yeah. um, that Christ died on the cross. But it wasn't necessarily the cross. It was. Uh, um, maybe it was a selfish motive. Okay, I just want to be forgiven, right? Which obviously happened at the cross, it, but it my mind didn't suddenly becomes very personal to you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really make it uh, about the cross. I was more focusing on forgiveness. I didn't even, excuse me, consider a lot of those things. Yeah. Right. But shortly thereafter, I was, I got baptized in that church. Um, I was the only one, so it was uh, uh, very special. It was, it was really, really good. Was that a pouring or an immersion? A sprinkling. Sprinkling. A sprinkling. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Pastor Unger, so this was Unger's, James's yeah. father. He poured a little bit of uh, um, water on my head and put his hand on my head and, and prayed over me and whatnot. And I see. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. It was. Were you the first in your family to get saved, to get baptized? Oh boy. Ben had a turning point. See, Ben and James met in the middle of the woods on their quads. So it's a huge turning point for a whole, like all of our lives. 
because uh, Ben was out quadding in Hoover's Hoover's Gully down there, and they lived Ungers lived on, on Culloden Road, so they were quadding, and they met, and James invited him to Singston. So that's where the connection. That's happened. where it all happened. So wow. Ben went. Huey went for a while alone, and uh, well, James had to pick him up because Ben's eyes said he couldn't drive, and uh, and then Carlos, let's go, Jacob, let's go. So we all started going, right? And, yeah, there was a girl that I was interested in, so that helped, mm-hmm. right? My motives weren't good, but, hey, you know what? These are kind of cool guys. That's amazing how God does that. Right? So uh, um, it was it was, it was was really good. That's back when they rented uh, the Luton Hall. The, uh, yeah. Right? Or the, not the Luton Hall, the church that's in Luton. That little building the little, across the road from the hall, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but, the, yeah, there was lots of learning curves that came afterwards. Right, I remember uh, uh, once there was a, I, I, I committed this sin, and it wasn't a spur of the moment sin; it was a pre-planned sin, like it was a uh, fantasy that that you play it out in your mind, and you, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to do, and you fulfilled, you went through with it after you got saved. I tell you, I was, I was depressed, I was down, I was like, how can God ever forgive me? How can I do this? How, you know, knowing, being a child of God. How can you you fall back into that type of sin? Like it's unacceptable. It's not clean. It's 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 not godly at all. Um, until one of the the younger boys again, um, I, I poured my heart out to him. I said, "What do I do?" And he goes, "Nothing." Because you've been forgiven. Wow. Just realize you need to forgive yourself. And I was like, "Seriously?" And he says, yeah. He goes, just just understand that you have been forgiven. Not, not recognizing how grand mm-hmm. and how great of an accomplishment the cross actually is, right? Mm-hmm. And I look back often to Abraham in the book of uh, Romans. It talks about Abraham's faith. It says, he staggered not at the promises of God, but it was strong in faith. And you go read Genesis and you see Abraham... You know, going into getting Hagar, somebody else's going out to Egypt and lying about who his wife was, and mm-hmm. it's like that doesn't seem to fit. But that's encouraging to me to know that you know this is what I'm seeing from you, this is what I'm seeing from me, and God is reckon, reckoning something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. He counts those things that, that be not as though they were, right? So the gospel is so all inclusive that you get, you know, it's not like you get a pass on sin. God will deal with it, yep. like the guilt yep. and the shame that you felt. Yep. That was the spirit of God saying, "You're grieving me." Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not holding this against you. You're not going to be lost because of this, because the cross took care of all sin once for all. It took me a long time to grasp that. Yeah. It really did. Like I, I, I lived with that with that sin, or or so I thought I had to, right? Because how can I make that up with with um, with with God if if after you've already been saved and you you um, are a child of God, and then to fall back into the sin, it was uh, um, I was excited after that. Like I was like. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. Don't let, you know. Don't continue in sin, obviously, yeah. right? But to to grasp the concept of forgiveness already happened, mm-hmm. that was just huge for me. I often tell this when I'm preaching too. I'll say to people that it is much easier to go to God and beg forgiveness and beat yourself up and try to make yourself feel really horrible. It's much harder easier to do that than to go to God and say, God, thank you for the great sacrifice that you made for me once for all on the cross. You know, that my sin is all mm-hmm. dealt with right there. And, that you know, I'm just praising you for your goodness. Because when you feel that guilt and the shame, the last thing you feel like doing is praising. But that's where it requires faith to say, okay, God, you've already dealt with this. I thank you so much for the grace that you've given me. Right? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So 18, 19 years old. Newly, newly saved. Life was exciting. Your brother Jake? Um, Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. I went to, yeah, I continued on in Fanshawe. And then six months, 
two on uh, um, six months or thirteen days it was or whatever it was. Um, he found the data. That's how James died. So it was, it was, it was a ballpark died. of six months. There's a routine coming here. Yeah. Um, or a, a pattern, or so I thought. Um, six months later, my my brother was was killed by a uh, a car. He was changing the mud flaps on a car, and uh, the jack gave out and landed on him. And uh, um, my buddy and I, we, we found him out there. And uh, it was a total different healing process, that, that than grieving my friend, because now I had the uh, a very young and, and not um, educated in the Bible, but I had the assurance of salvation, and I knew that he did too. So knowing... And I, I don't get me wrong, I knew where James was going too, right? Right, but you didn't understand that. I didn't point. grasp that. How can you praise God for taking somebody out of this world and instead of grieving them? Don't get me wrong, they were grieving. Mm-hmm. But and now for for my my brother obviously it was it was different. It was experience, an experience that nobody should ever experience. Um there isn't a whole lot that you remember after the first first few days until until years later and then it you know, you talk about it with family and Excuse me. Um, how you reacted and how you interacted with people at the time and, and such, but um, to to handle that situation, like looking back, it, it bothered people if I would say James died. James died for a reason. So I so I I, I would understand In the your gospel. Life, at least, that to was... me, that was a that was a turning point, right? It was a, it was a drastic event, right? Um, and and it bothered people that I would say that. Obviously, the family, right? Like we don't care about you. Then that's not what they were thinking. Right. But and, I, and you, you kind of got saying, that vibe. You weren't really saying that. You know, I'm glad James died so that I could go. So I could have life. Right. Yeah. But that's what it required for you to see the truth, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that was a preparation for what was yet to come, mm-hmm. because um, when when Jacob died, we we took it totally different. At his funeral, my whole family we were sharing happy stories. At the funeral, wow. and the, fu- the funeral was Rhineland. It was old. Con- it was it was super. You know, the the pine box yeah. and the white the white ribbons. Um, but at that time, he already went. He already started going to Lighthouse Gospel. Jacob did. He already was was branching off and, and going out there. So I was attending there sometimes, and uh, um, so the youth there were a huge influence at that time as well. So now I had both youth. We, we we were so supported and so blessed. It was that's amazing. It was really had good. Had you just still been in the old colony or Rhineland type of system, and not really open and free to talk this kind of stuff through, you might have been like many Mennonites have been, where mm-hmm. they just bottle it up, and years and years and years go by, and they've never really communicated mm-hmm. what the grief they felt is, right? Which I don't think we did. I don't think I don't, I don't think we were open open about it. Um, I think we we bo- did bottle a lot of it up. We didn't know how to handle it. We've never dealt with it before, right? Nobody knows how to um, But like but the fact that the, my family was so open about communication in that area instead of just you know Shh, he's gone, don't talk about him, yeah. right? Um, but it was it was it was really good, especially you know knowing that um, my brother you know my brothers were saved and um, I could communicate with them, and we had two youth groups supporting us in the church and. And two churches, Lighthouse and Sinai Monday. So it was, it was, a, it was huge. Um, and then six months later, another friend of mine. Six months, six months. Six right. Months. So I was like, okay. I, I remember we were all praying, like, okay, God, is this going to be like a six-month thing? Like, what's, what's happening here? And and also died in an accident. In a, in a car accident on the corner of Rogers Road and Highway Three. He mm-hmm. was, he was sick. He was ill. He went to the hospital. They gave him medication on the way back. He either uh, fell asleep or, or I don't know exactly what happened to him, 
but he went across the road and got hit right so it was uh it it was we were trying to see what is God trying to show us right uh now through those accidents, there were so many people that were getting saved, right, just like recently with um Henry Harder and Johnny Martins, That's right, right yeah. um there were probably about the last baptism there were ten people that were getting baptized that be and they in their testimony they mentioned either Johnny or Henry right right. Um, it's unfortunate that it takes these drastic events for people to understand the gospel. Mm. But it's, so many it's times not we need to be shaken out of our oh, complacency, yes. right? Yeah. Like you can go through life seeing all kinds of stuff. Like I, when I shared my story a little bit too, there I had never really considered death. Then my friend's brother died, then his mom died, and it still and it shook me up. But it didn't even really make me consider mm-hmm. my own life. It wasn't until we had our first child that I started to realize that, oh boy, there's actually eternity awaiting mm-hmm. me, and there's actually rewards and judgment and all that kind of stuff. Interesting you brought that up. After, years later, after we were married, Linda and I, um, we had Austin, and I was holding him one day, and all of a sudden, it, it, it was so clear to me, and I'm, I'm holding my son, and, and it was, became clear that, that the sacrifice that God had to make, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus was his only son, right? He gave his only son because he loved us, right? Um, for forgiveness to happen, for the death on the cross. Um, I didn't grasp that. I don't. I was saved for you know a few years, yeah. but I don't think I grasped the seriousness and the sacrifice of what it took um, for God to send Jesus down. Yeah, that's like awesome. it, and that was that was years I'm, I'm years so later. Glad that like, so many of the the symbols of God's love to us are found in in eternal um, relationships here as well, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's friends mm-hmm. or whether it's a husband and wife, there's the Christ relationship mm-hmm. there, and then there's the father-the-son thing, right? And so we can kind of start to put the feelings to it as well and realize that there's a lot that happened there. Yeah, you make connections that you can e- relate to easier, right? Before we move on completely from that, what's, your, what's a, a good highlight, good memory of your brother Jacob? Hmm. What do you think of the last? He he passed away March 26th. At the beginning of March, we went to a Casting Crowns concert. Okay. In just Indiana, the state somewhere, there were a van full. One of the youth girls, um, dad lent us their van, and away we went. And there was five, six of us, and it, it, it was interesting because our parents trusted us enough um, to to go with to go away for the night, and, and we were. I was, how old was I, 19, 20? Yeah, I was 19, right? Um, trusted us enough to go to the States with other friends. Nice. And that was a huge, you know, I look back on the Google Photos memories and Facebook memories, and I look at those photos, and and we we, we weren't rebellious. We were uh, um, having lots of fun. Having a lot of fun. You know, just being just being silly. And, and it, it's such good memories. Yeah. On that trip, such good memories. My sister Carolina went. Right, she went with, and, and so there's so many good memories with That's Jacob and, and. So you and your sister and your brother are the only ones from your family at that at that concert. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then there were other other friends, right? But uh, yeah, that's that's that and and quadding. Yeah. Right. Uh, like I bought that quad recently, and and part of me like I whenever I look at it, it Just reminds me of, of of memories. I I've had it I've had it for five months. Mm-hmm. I've ridden it once. I'm only, Is that why you think? I don't know. I, I can't, like when I look at it. It's a Honda. It's not even the same color. It doesn't matter. But I, I think of him a lot more within the, since I got the four wheeler than I did before. Out of sadness or out of fondness? 
I don't know. I, I was talking to somebody a while ago, and, and they were saying the more often you think about them, you keep the memories alive, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, they're good memories, lots of good memories. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we had our, our quarrels. I threw a screwdriver at the guy once, and it landed right there. So he had a star <laughs> right on his knuckle, right? Oops. But it was... Yeah, it was fine, right? But uh, no, there's there's so many good memories and uh, fond, fondness and and uh, of good times that we had um, together, you know. Right on. Um, so when uh, I know you knew Linda from childhood on, or mm-hmm. when was it that you guys started showing interest? I know you about ten years ago, and that would have made you what? Just over twenty? Twenty one? Just over twenty? Just over? I turned twenty. I turned twenty August sixth, and uh, we went on our first date August fourteenth. Okay. But, uh, oh, she's going to correct me on that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. August sometime. I might have, yeah, anyway. Um, no, I showed interest in her when I was six years old. Yeah. We were in Sunday school. You told her you're going to marry her? I told her. her. I said, I'm going to marry you one day. And <laughs> she was this, this this geeky little girl that yeah. uh, that had the, had the double ears. braids and the ears. And <laughs> they, she just, and yeah, I tried kissing her on the cheek and whatnot, right? She slapped me and that's that's what sparked our relationship right as interesting as that sounds right but no it was uh um i would rent the um east elgin gym and play volleyball right and we would invite so we were between lighthouse and Kleine monday so we would invite both youth get more games going have a whole um what do you call it round robin going and uh um you know connect the two churches and, and whatnot and have a lot of fun so that's what when she started coming out and uh um she came out to our She wasn't just a bratty little girl anymore. No, she grew up and she was mature and and uh I, she says I wasn't annoying anymore, so That's a good that's, point. That's that's uh encourage that was encouraging, right? But it took me a while to to come up with the the, the courage to show some serious interest, mm-hmm. right? I uh, I took her out on Canada Day. Uh, before we were going out, I just said, you want to spend the day together? So I picked her up, and we're walking out on uh, Springfield Road, the dead end, down by the cliffs. And we're just walking, and I said, have you ever considered your last name being Peters? She goes, nope, never. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm nervous, and I'm I'm hesitant, and I'm like, okay, well, great. There goes, you know, there goes my there goes my shot, yeah. right? Whatever. She doesn't even but think about me. She did. And then, yeah, I, I, after the fireworks that evening, then I told her. What uh, what was on my heart and how I felt about her and uh, she was okay. Thanks, hmm. it's okay. <laughs> right? Is that the same year that you got like that you came to church camp? I mean, our family camp even? No, it was the next. No, that was after I got married. After we got married, oh, like that. God. This was this was the previous. Yeah, we went to youth camp together. I thought you had come to church before you got married. But no, no, no. Um, yeah, we went on our, our, our first unofficial date on the the taco wagon. Nice. By by. Um, Engine we play we're dance talk a wagon there. Yeah. It might have been called something else back then. Hmm. But uh, and then we went to the Elmer Fair. But that wasn't an official date. That was a hanging out. We you know, you went to Milltails Inn and you bought roses and flowers and yeah, yeah. You had to do a lot more for the first date, right? Oh yeah. And uh um yeah, and then we just um so that was August, September and by Boxing Day we were engaged. By May fifth uh, and following spring we were married. And uh, uh, exciting things happen from there. We. Um, I, I want to stop you for a no, moment no. there. And a little bit of a, a life lesson for some of you young guys maybe that are not yet married. Linda had a good head on her shoulders. Carlos was obviously very attractive to her. She was very interested in him. And she had the wherewithal, the wisdom to say to him, 
even though she didn't have a close enough relationship with her dad at the time to where she would say, Carlson, you need to go talk to my dad first. Her dad maybe wouldn't quite have understood the whole concept. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I need you to talk to my brother Henry or my brother-in-law Dan and uh, see, see what they think. I want to get their approval. And to me, that just shows an incredible amount of wisdom at her age. Maybe it was just the teaching that she received. Yeah, but for her yeah. to consider, okay, I like this guy. Obviously, he's attractive to me. There's a lot going on here, but I can't trust my emotions in my heart right now. And I need someone who I trust and who I look up to that can kind of look into this guy and vouch for me for him as well. So, you know, Carlos took me out for coffee, and I'm like, when's the Co last time you looked at pornography? Coffee, coffee culture. At what time in the morning? Oh, I don't remember five the time. Morning. It was five or was six. It? It was, I worked. I did. I was installing swimming pools, I and I started work. No, it was early, early, early. It was still dark in the morning, and they. Oh, I think they opened at five or six or whatever. I see. We were the only ones in the building. I remember. Because were you nervous? You, oh my goodness, was I ever nervous? You didn't see, act Linda. Like it. Linda and I, we discussed it. I asked her, I said, do you want me to talk to your dad? She goes, no. She goes, talk to Henry or, or, or Dan. I said, okay. So I, you know, we made the arrangements. The only time that I worked back then was early, early, early in the morning. Nice. So, uh, yeah, he, you, you threw me right off my chair. One of the, you know, the, not first questions, but we were chatting, and all of a sudden, when's the last time you look at pornography? And I was like, bam, right in the face. And yeah. I, but I, I was proud to be able to answer. It was, it was months. It was, it was a long time, maybe, yeah, it, maybe even a year. Yeah, there was, there was, was a few questions that I wanted to know. Like, are you are you going to be potentially leading my little sister-in-law into a life where you're stuck on a, a, a porn, porn addiction or some kind of sexual misconduct? Or are you going to be dragging, dragging her into some life where you can't provide for her physical needs? Or, you, you know, all those kinds of things, right? So he was young and ambitious. He had a job. He had a car. He was paying his own insurance. He was looking at moving out of the house. And all these things that were just like... I mean, he's young, he, maybe he's immature, I don't know, but he's passing all the tests that I can put on him, right? And so, I mean, I, I wasn't the one to really give permission, but I gave Linda the thumbs up and said, he seems like a good guy, so. I don't think you discouraged us from going out even that day, I don't think. No, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. You startled, you startled me with some of your questions, but that's when, when it, I told Linda some of the, some of the questions, and she, I think she warned me at a time. That Dan is, he's, 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 he's to the point. If he, if he wants to know something, he's going to ask you, right? But you know what? I love that, and I respect that so much. And uh, um, honestly, it, it, it put a bit of a, a fear in me not to mess up. Well, I, I don't hoping, backslide. I, I'm kind of almost practicing for my own daughters, right? I'm like, I don't want a person to be scared of me, but I want them to know that I'm acutely interested in this person mm -hmm. and her, their future, right? Like, she was, to me, she was just a little girl still, right? I, mean, I saw her grow up from, I think, I, when I started coming around, she was maybe like 9 or 10 years mm -hmm. old. I'd probably get that off by a couple of years. But she was just that little girl with the pigtails and the big ears, right? And now, obviously, I could see she was becoming a young woman, but it was like, you better take care of her. You better protect her. You better watch out for her and, and treat her treat her well, right? Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I haven't been disappointed so far. It's been obviously I, when the, the just before you guys got married, Lisa and I took you to the states and we got those suits and stuff like yes. that. Yes, and uh, you were jabbing in the back here in the back of the van. I don't know if you were nervous or if that's just the way you always were, but you talked and talked and talked and talked the whole time. And Lisa and I were like, "Oh boy, take it easy." And uh, you said something to us that really made us chuckle. We still tell this story sometimes. Um, you said, uh, "Well, Linda and I have got this figured out that." If there's something I'm doing that she doesn't like, she's just going to tell me, and then I'll stop doing it. And if there's something she's doing that I don't like, I'll tell her, and she'll stop doing it. And we just thought, okay, 
try that out <laughs> once you get married. And then uh, shortly after, like the week or two after you got married, Linda had talked to Lisa about you scraping the pan, a nonstick pan with fork or something, and you had scratched it up somehow, and she didn't know how to cope <laughs> with this frustration, right? Oh, yes. And then obviously the yep. reality of real marriage kind of sets in. Mm-hmm. We did we did implement something there, though. We... we I, I don't re- I don't I don't recall I don't recall that conversation I don't obviously I talk too much right but we we, we did have even after we were married we, we sat down and we we want I implemented reality checks every month semi monthly it ended up being quarterly and then twice a year once a year whenever even like now so we'll just stop and we'll sit down and we'll just spend time together and be like okay reality check how are we doing hmm. are we uh, um, so focused on the kids. That we're not spending time together. Are we so? Am I so focused at work that I'm not giving you the attention that you deserve? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and then you just open it up and just yeah. you be completely honest. Absolutely. I'll be completely honest. Absolutely. Right. And for the first few years, that was that was not that it's not important now, but it was very 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 important because there were things that I was doing that um, were just drive her crazy, and there were things that she was doing. It's like okay. And they, they were just simple physical things that, yeah. that... That's often what leads to those big squabbles, uh, right? You can't yeah. get over these tiny little issues. Yeah. Yeah. So it was... Uh, uh, I would encourage anybody to do reality checks. Hmm. Because sometimes you forget. You get so busy with life. I mean, we have four children now. We just got the dog. And, and <laughs> you know, Linda... How do you keep your marriage first, right? Yeah. And, and my boss... My boss said uh, the other day, um, he said, once, you, you know, the dog's got to go once it interferes with your love life. There you go. Right? <laughs> and and I said, dog's got to go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right? Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, little things like that that, that you, you do consider. Right? But the reality checks, I th- th- they've been uh, very important to us. How do they go? Like, you, you just say, okay, tell me something that's bothering you, or what do you think? We haven't done one in a while now. It's probably been a year or so. But, uh, uh, yeah, we just, you know, simple, simple things. And do you take offense, or is it easy nope. to just put it aside? No, nope. and one one of her biggest things, as interesting as it is, I get up, I, I make myself breakfast before I go to work, and I left my plate on the counter with egg yolk in it. Okay. I didn't. And she's got a scrub. And then it, when she, you know, when she gets up and does the dishes or whatever, she goes, just rinse it out before. And that was, it was huge for her. Mm-hmm. I didn't give it a second thought. Lisa did that a while back. She's like... When you crack eggs, can you just put them in something or put them in not on the counter? Or something, not just leave the yes. shells there. And yeah. I'm like, it was the first thing you thought was irritating. I was like, what's the big deal? It's just eggshells. Just scoop them off and put them in the thing, right? Yeah. But now it's very easy for me each time. Just grab a cup or a bowl and put them mm-hmm. in there. It's just simple little things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the most uh, interesting memories that I have first when Lena and I we were going out. Um, I came home from work and and there was a lot lot going on in our life at the time. Um, I was switching jobs. I was leaving the pool business and going to a commission sales um, um, line of work, which I had no idea how it was going to pan out. Um, we just rented a different house, so we were moving, and uh, there was there was so much going on. And uh, I come home from from work one day, and uh, Linda tells me that we're expecting. This was your first. Yeah, with Austin. Okay. Right. Uh, we we agreed, two three years. Let's get a, a firm a financial foundation down. We budgeted. I'm, I was a Dave Ramsey fanatic already at that time. Oh, I before we were married, I watched all his videos. I rented them from a friend of mine. Uh, it would have been cheaper to buy them, 
I eventually bought them, and and uh, I was like, okay, hey, this just messed. The first thing I could think of is finances. This just messed everything up. Oh, I was just, I, 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 I think I just sat down and I just cried. Like I lit, like she was sitting on the steps, and we were both in awe. We're like, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened, and and we were just so blown away that that happened. Right, uh-huh. but obviously looking back, I mean the best, you know, not the best thing, but one of the better, best things that's yeah. happened in life, right? It matured us to no end, and it was so good for us and for Linda to get out of that line of work, the factory work. She wasn't enjoying it that much. She was and still working. She was still working, right? But uh, um, you know, we were sitting on these old chairs, they're old maple chairs. These are our first dining room set. You can probably hear some of the kids running above us right now. Yes, they're done in the pool now. Um, but these are the chairs that we were sitting in. And Linda, to this day, she mentions it sometimes. She goes, that is the most awkward meal that I've ever had with you. Really? We were eating dinner. I'm grasping. I'm, I'm comprehending the concept of, of having a child. Mm. Right? And and we're sitting on these chairs. And, and it was quiet. I said nothing the whole meal. Just Almost frustrated? Confused. Frustrated. Lost. Lost. Just, just, but... Wow, did God bless us. Like, yeah. <laughs> from, from you know, sales just, it took us a while, but sales did well, and, and we moved out to the country, and we could host, and there was always money, and there were old finances, and I paid off all my student debt within no time, and, and it, was, it, was, it was great. I mean, we, the Dave Ramsey idea, right? I don't understand how, within, within the first year of our marriage, we managed to save up 30 grand. I didn't make 30 grand the first year. I... I have no idea how we did it, but we saved up thirty grand. And she was making some money. She took early mat. She was working, yes, but we paid off my student loans. That's incredible. And now I was buying and selling cars on the side and making cash. And and I would get up early in the morning, get up at five in the morning, and go work on a swimming pool before I would go install a pool. I remember when you were doing and then the pool after pool. work and and uh, I was determined to get ahead. I wasn't going to be um, a financial burden to my family. Like I I didn't want them to. Um, be stressed about that, wow. right? Especially my wife with now a child coming, and right. So it was. How long till it kind of turned around in your mind where you started getting excited about it? Then instead of just being like, "Oh no, what are we doing?" Probably when he first kicked. It took a while. Really? It took a while. I I just. I didn't realize that. I was not thrilled. Hmm. It messed my plans. I I I used to be yeah. a lot more of a planner than I am now. I just. Oh, once you have kids, you realize that you're not in control of what oh, happens I in know. your life, right? Or even when you first get married. Yeah. You're no longer the same person you were. Mm-hmm. You know, I've often shared this illustration. When you get married, you're you're giving away your freedoms to enjoy this freedom. Mm-hmm. So you have to come into bondage. You have to bind yourself to another person for life. And by doing that, you're throwing all your freedoms out the door. You can no longer come in at any time of the day. You can't just go out with your guys whenever you want. Like there's certain bounds that you now have that are very good for you because then you get to enjoy the freedom of matrimony, mm-hmm. of loving a person, of having a, a companion, but it does bind you. Mm-hmm. There, there is something about tying the knot, the ball and chain, right? Those illustrations. But it's are, not. But it's not difficult. I I enjoyed sacrificing things to spend time with my wife. Mm-hmm. Like I had no problem tur- saying no to a, a Legends Wing Night if I could spend time with my wife. I enjoyed. You know, my wife is so much more important to me than than my guy friends, and well, I've, I've lost even, a lot of them. to this day, you still prioritize your marriage, which mm-hmm. has been very a, bl- a real blessing to me to see. You know, like I didn't Thank know you. those ten years ago that this is what would come of it, but you know, I'm inspired by your marriage, and I'm inspired especially by your financial use and how you've been so ambitious to make money and all that kind of stuff. It's often put me to shame, right? So, 
you know, it's uh, it's been an interesting interesting journey, and obviously the market's been in our favor, so it just yeah. goes, right? It's good. So it's encouraging that way. Before we move on from the whole marriage thing, um, what what would you say is like the the most important thing in the recipe for a good marriage? Obviously, you spend a lot of time together. You talk, you communicate. You you nail it. Communicate. Okay. When, when uh, there was a time where a lot of our friends were getting married, and then um, I emceed a few of them, and um, we would, uh, or you'd be chance for an open mic. And if you don't communicate as a married couple, you're you're not going to make it. I guess like, even that. What do you mean by communicate? Some guys go home from work and they don't know. Like, what do you mean? What, do you want me to talk to my wife, tell her everything that happened during the day, or what do you want me to talk about? But to me, it's just like th- there isn't much or anything that happens in my life that I don't relay to her at some point where we're just we talk about everything. No, but it builds trust. Yeah. If you can communicate, so th- I'm not a believer on having your girlfriend as your um, purity partner. If you're going out with, if, you, if you're in a relationship before you're married and you're struggling from the sexual desires and lust and pornography and and so on, uh, you should never ever ever have your girlfriend as your as your accountability partner. But after you're married, and if you open up to her and you're you're, you're living in freedom, but if you're if you're struggling with something, it builds trust. Mm. And and if there's frustrating events throughout the so day, if you had or, a temptation of some sort, you would actually confess that to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Sometimes, really difficult for sometimes it was very to receive, right? Like, what do you mean? Am I not enough, or what? What are you tempted by? Why are you tempted? Yeah, I know. It's 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 challenging to to grasp the concept of um, understanding a man's brain from a woman's yeah, perspective, sure. right? Our, our, and that's something that we've experienced. I would I would share something that happened before we were married. After we were married, if we were talking about about this topic, and she goes. You were thinking about that back then when we were just hanging out, and I'm like, it crossed my mind, yeah. Of course. And and it's that natural. And we were we we were involved in the youth after we were married, and then I would point things out. You see how these these couples doing that, and they're going for a walk, or they they're doing this, and they're spending this time alone. I said, that's never a good idea. Why would you? Do you know what that boy is thinking? His his brain works so different than hers, mm-hmm. and it, Linda was naive. She didn't have any education or any uh, um, I guess she did talk to her about her sisters and, and whatnot, right regarding the struggle of man or just yeah or or that it's even existence for for a woman mm-hmm. right which I am so blessed by yeah right she never struggled that's awesome like to hear that from a man's perspective that doesn't even exist because I don't know of a single guy that can say I didn't struggle yeah it doesn't exist I I've yet to you know if you're, if, I guess if you're listening, call me up because I'm curious I, how you I've did it. A couple guys who say they didn't fall into certain sins that almost every guy does. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get too explicit yep. there, but they're very, very rare situations where men. That, that, that don't. is so encouraging. Yeah. That is so encouraging. Sometimes to hear. it is just a chemical thing, right? Some guys don't have as much of a certain drive, perhaps, and it just isn't as much of a temptation for them, even, right? But now that we've kind of transitioned to that topic we're getting close to the end but I wanted to touch on that part as well one of the passions that you seem to have a drive that you have outside of your family and marriage and business is helping young men and young married men in particular a lot of times mm-hmm. to, to walk free from this stuff because you've been free since before you were married mm-hmm. obviously maybe there's been temptations or slip ups or something here and there I don't know but you've had a real desire and drive to help people out what, tell us a little bit about that so it uh, started my 
my my personal purity walk started way back in the youth at the uh, Lighthouse Gospel Church. Um, Aaron Thiessen handed out a book. He was going through the book, The Purity Principle, by Randy Alcorn. Super good book. Uh, give it to anybody. It, read it. It is so, so good. Um, and it, it, it is such a down-to-earth, like right in the first, right in the first chapter, um, there's, a, there's a professor and one of his students or colleagues, or I can't remember exactly how it happened, but anyway, two guys, um, he's, he's in his office, and he, he has some type of respect. The, the, the guy that walks in the door has respect for the guy behind the desk. It was, a, it was a pastor. And uh, he says that uh, um, I am upset with God. I hate God. I'm upset with him. I'm not happy with him. Um, I, you know, I've sl- I slept with my coworker. I've, you know, how am I going to tell my wife? Yada, yada, yada. And uh, uh, he goes, okay, so how did this happen? How did it go about? And did you try to stay away from this woman? And, and so on. And then the, the pastor takes a, a, a book. And then he takes the book and slowly inches it up to closer towards the, the gentleman across the table. And then he says, okay, so did you stay away from her? He goes, no, we went out for lunch almost every day. He goes, okay, did you call, text, or, or whatever? He goes, yeah, we called often and emailed and we talked at work. And while this tape, while this, this book is, is inching further and further off the table, closer to the end, I said, did you ever talk to your wife that you were struggling? Or did you ever pray to God to stay away from the, to, to help you? And he goes, no, I just, I just, I just couldn't help myself and so on. And then the, the pastor slowly starts praying. He goes, God, keep this cup and this situation from falling off the table. Mm-hmm. Keep it from falling. Keep it from falling. Yet you're giving in to every We're lust, every desire. Answer. You're just going full force, uh, fighting yourself. And all of a sudden, bam, the, type, the book landed on the floor. And he goes, I'm mad at God. And the guy's like, what are you mad at God about? He goes, well, I prayed. Don't, don't let this fall off the table. And there it is. He goes, well, that's, yeah, that, that, that's not right. He goes, well, the same thing happened. Yeah. Right, blame, so that's blame God for you yeah. getting into your own life. Yeah, right. So that's what started it. I had a group of guys that went through that book. One of those guys to this day is my accountability partner. We chat weekly, daily, often. Um, we touch base still to this day about sexual purity. Um, I've been married for nine years. He's been married for seven years, and uh, um, we're both living in victory. Awesome. There's no slip ups. There's like we hold each other so accountable that, and I. I I am wowed and blown away that we're still friends because sometimes the conversations and the heated arguments that we get into sometimes regarding even back in the day, right? It's been interesting. It's been an interesting challenge. But to have the accountability partner is huge. Hmm. But um, part of it was to to have uh, competition. Who can live pure the longest? And it, our motives weren't even that good. Mm-hmm. They weren't even... Yeah, no, that wouldn't be the highest motive to no, stay pure. No, but it worked. Yeah. Right? I was like, I'm going to outdo you. Right, and all these other guys in the group, I, we lost touch after a while. I don't know where they are at, right? But we, I stuck through with with this one individual, and since then we've did the we've done the uh, Conquer series at church um, three times now, twice twice at church. I've done it at, at home here once, and uh, um, it's it's a really really good program um, to get into. You you get some really really close relationships. Um, I've started to appreciate people that are older than me through this Conquer series. Um, knowing where they came from and how they've gained freedom and, and hearing their, their testimonies and the work that God does in their life yeah. uh, has been super encouraging to me. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely excited about the fact that your story, though you know you were into pornography and uh, that kind of addiction, mm-hmm. it isn't one of those terrible stories where you, you, know, you did live for nine, ten years with your wife cheating on her in your mind and heart and going out to you know, cheating and lying and stealing and all that kind of stuff and then had to come to this realization, which you, know, you hear a lot mm-hmm. of those stories too. Too many. But to, to attribute your freedom, you know, way back then to recognize that you were walking free then already, 
That's incredible. And then, like you said, some of it even just by the power of your own strength and willpower, right? Like, I'm going to. I'm going to do better than these guys. That's not even bringing in the gospel yet mm-hmm. and the freedom that you have in Christ, right? Uh, through the Conquer series and through other things, you've probably come to see your freedom that you have because of what Christ mm-hmm. has done as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, right? It's it's often when you incorporate um, the, the gospel and uh, often the understanding of forgiveness, Right, because it was a a sexual sin that I committed way back when that I just couldn't get over. It was a it was a, a barrier that I faced and I, I couldn't get over it. It just wasn't wasn't I was unable to move on until I understood forgiveness. How about and I don't, don't want to interrupt you. No, you're good. The uh, the day to day experiences that you still have, the temptations, like we all still are constantly bombarded on our phones and in uh, on TV or whatever videos, movies. And the world all over around us, there's those temptations. They're still there. You don't ever become immune to it. Does the gospel have any interaction with you there? Does the cross mean anything when it comes to facing temptation? Or have you seen any connection there? So what I, what I used to do was I, I would set my password for my phone as Jesus. There you go. Or as, as self, something godly. So whenever I was Facebook, for example, Facebook was a huge um, struggle way years ago. Um, but I would lo- have to log in because I didn't want anybody else seeing my conversations. But I would have to log in, and then after a while, I changed my passwords to something something godly, and that was uh, that was a reminder huge. enough yeah. about Christ and His word. Yeah. Um, but the, the way I look at you know the, the Bible verse, do all things unto the glory, unto the glory of God, right? Um, so whatever I'm doing, however I'm wasting my time, I've seen myself. Um, like we were talking about earlier, just just when you're scrolling on Facebook and all of a sudden a video pops up and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a six-minute video. I could have done so many more valuable things with those six minutes. And then once you get caught up with that... Um, that's just wasting time. And there's wasting time and looking at pornography. And looking at pornography. So uh, the face, Facebook has, has never really been a, uh, an issue. Um, I, I don't understand how people can get caught up in pornography on Facebook. Um, unless you well, search, unless you right. unless you search it out, Instagram I have issues with. Yeah. So just the other day, um, we were looking at at hiring somebody for work, and you look them up on social media to see who you're going to be, in, you know, interviewing. And I went on Instagram and I hit the search bar before I could type anything out. Here, this uh, um, woman was somewhat closed, flaunting, dancing, was yeah. showing up. Dancing is a big thing right now. And uh, uh, but you. It was so provocative and so easy to go down that trail. Yeah, and, I, and my boss was standing right behind me. I said, "Look how ridiculous this is! Just, just mind blowing, right?" Yeah. And and then yeah, you search whatever you want to search, but it's way too easy. Absolutely. To get caught in that rut with with the social media, but if if you focus on how what can I do to better my relationship with with God, if you if you focus on that, um, you know God gives you all your time. And and if you just squander it and waste your time, right? How are you ever going to build a closer relationship with him? Spend time in the Word. Paul um, says, "Redeem the time for the days are evil." Right? You know, there's there's yeah. routinely social media events that you have, and when this social dilemma came out, yeah, that was a big. There was a huge wake up call to me. They're using us, right? They're oh, and even even to this day, for uh, if if I want to go on social media, uh, I go on the Bible app instead. I read the, the daily, or I read something to do with scripture, mm. or there's, there's a daily bread app, or or whatever. Yeah. I know for me, when I was early on in our marriage, I still had trouble with pornography, and when I came to see 
and this some, to some people this doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't seem to make practical sense. I told somebody way back in the day what this meant to me, and they were like, yeah, but give me something practical. Give me something to do. And it was uh, recognizing, like the book of Romans chapter 6 says, he says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. So reckon this to be true. When Christ was nailed to the cross, you were nailed to the cross mm-hmm. with him. When his body was placed in the grave, yours was placed in the grave as well. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. Now he says, now walk as those that are alive from the dead. And it was like a, a totally eye-opening thing where, okay, well, I don't need to struggle against this thing anymore. Mm-hmm. I just need to count it, reckon it, believe it, that it's dead, and then I'm free. So something that God did to me, not only did he forgive my sins, he did something for me, but he did something to me in that he put me to death. And dead men don't sin. So as long as I'm walking in light of that and reckoning myself to be dead indeed to sin and alive unto God, there's this incredible freedom, right? But it's not something you can really do. It's something you just have to, to believe to be true. So, But for a, a non-believer, or even, even a believer that's stuck in this rut, for them to grasp that and to be able to move on from, from things like that is much more... It's, it's, it's dif- so, so difficult, and, and there's more to it than, than I'm just going to stop. You know, don't get me wrong. With God, all things are possible. I'm all I'm all up for God taking over and taking control, um, but the Conqueror series touches a lot on uh, um, um, father hurts. How were you treated as a, as a child? Mm-hmm. Um, and and was there things between you and your parents that led you to acting out in in disobedience? And then once disobedience wasn't enough, then you would you know once you're a teenager you would act out in sexual sins because your parents hated it. Um, so it's it's but to explain what you just explained that you were nailed to the cross and that you were forgiven and you're raised, right? You're you're no longer slaves to sin. To explain that as part of the plan of salvation is super exciting. Oh yes. Like to to get people yeah, we to go grab on that. another whole tangent. I'm trying to keep it under an hour, so we're Got gonna it. keep it there and I appreciate you guys tuning in. And thanks a lot, Carlos, mm-hmm. for joining. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah.